Alright, Mystique's offspring, it's time to dust off your starter jackets, rip off those tearaways and blow into your game cartridges. I'm Sam Blandford. I'm Pat Sellers. And I'm Sean Kelly. And we wish it was the 90s. Welcome back everyone to our uh, run through of the X-Men animated series. I think we're up to episode 10 or 11, it escapes me, someone mucked up the orders, probably me, probably Disney actually. Um <laughs> And uh, just just off the top, if you want to catch us on the socials, you can hit us at hashtag WIWT90S on Insta or Twitter. And this podcast is available on multiple formats, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and the rest, or some of the rest. If you'd like to, you know, give us a like, a review, a five stars, or, you know, refer to a friend, or you just need something that puts you to sleep at night. We really appreciate anything. So today Great we're job. covering. That was fantastic. Yeah, job. outstanding admin. Thank you. Almost like you'd written it down. Very professional. I don't write anything <laughs> down. So today's episode, it's a it's a six episode uh, doozy. Uh, one man's worth, one and two. Proteus, one and two. Family ties and bloodlines. Um, boys were chatting off air earlier, and Pat and I discussed that perhaps. Uh, we both liked four out of six episodes today, and I'll be intrigued to see as we go if we like them. I suspect Sam's just pointed out that he likes three. I wonder if the, there's one that he doesn't like that me and Pat like, probably for obvious um, atheistic reasons. Mm, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, that well, comprises like most of my notes for that episode as well. It's <laughs> just, I bet Sam's hating this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were right, but I didn't mind the episode actually. Um, no, I liked Unman's Worth, and I liked the Nightcrawler ep at the end. Um, oh, you didn't like Family Ties? Not really. Proteus was shit. Yeah, Proteus was shit. <laughs> yeah, Pro- yeah, Proteus was the two that I didn't enjoy as much. <coughs> Sorry, I remember it. Um, but I didn't. I didn't hate any of them. Though. No, Pro- and Pro- Proteus, has its, Proteus has its moments, and we'll get into yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's start with one man's worth. Um, an obvious uh, homage to, I think, the as forementioned in previous episodes, now classic nineteen ninety five Age of Apocalypse follows a similar premise where um, someone goes back in time to try and kill Professor Xavier. Um, when he's younger to uh, stop the X-Men from forming and being a hindrance to uh, the future. Uh, The significant difference is uh, in Age of Apocalypse, it's Professor X's son, and he's not going back to kill Professor Professor X. He's going back to kill Magneto, and Professor X jumps in the way of the bullet or something like that. But anyway, we open in 1959, and it's it's one of those, here's a scene that will um, come later. Um, it's uh, we get a look, we get old mate Nimrod's back, and uh, we get an interesting look at a punk storm, Bishop's back, and a younger Professor X is there, and there's an explosion, and there's a bit of a no, and it cuts <laughs> to 2055. Forge is back, Bishop and Bishop's sister Shard, um, and um. They have to go back in time to fix something or other. Then we're back in the normal time, and there's some sort of temporal disturbance. Um, and um, that, the X Men were having a picnic, and then it cuts to this alternate timeline, which is actually quite mint. We see Meg, Beast, Storm, and the in the punk gears. A few cameos throughout that we might talk about later. And essentially, the whole idea of this is Bishop and Shard go back to the normal timeline to try and avert this crisis they take punk storm and meg back to 55 to save the professor um some interesting 1955 scenes and the episode actually finishes with uh, them losing in a to be continued what do you think of part one lads i particularly liked the end when Chuck mm. tri- trips the fuse and everything goes in slow mo, or oh, is that the bit that's at the start as well? Yeah, like, the electronic fuse. <laughs> <laughs> I've got that as well. Um, 
I've got a few interesting notes. Um, uh, quite like the names of the coffee house heavies, Moose and Rocco. Yeah, they were they were they were my faves. Uh, the heavy, the he- there's a couple of episodes in this string of sixty episodes where like you get introduced to these like weird sidekick heavies. They're always real interesting characters. Yeah. Um, so just quickly on this Age of Apocalypse thing. So we actually get some of the uh, Age of Apocalypse costumes pop up. So Age of Apocalypse Sabretooth, a character called Wild Child, who's kind of from the Age of Apocalypse. Colossus is in his um, AOA kit. Sunfire is as well. Nightcrawler's there. Sinister's there. Um, Gambit's there, but in his normal clothes. Rogue in a, in a big trench. Um, we get a glimpse of maybe some Avengers as well. Um, and a really awesome bearded Magneto who gets referred to as the leader. Fuck me, He's so cool. jacked as well in this. <laughs> the future Magneto is massive. He's been hitting the roids hard. Um, I don't. I, and, I think you'll be you'll be proud proud to know. Oh, sorry, carry on, Sean. No, you go, you go. Uh, future Storm and Meg, or past Storm and Meg, or this Meg and Storm relationship. What? How good is that? Stick. Stick. <laughs> Stig. Yeah. <laughs> I got it run down here as Stig. I'm a big fan of Stig. Yeah. I think you just insulted the woman I love low life. Oh, is that when <laughs> is that at the bar uh, with the real racist bar opener? And she's like Yeah. <laughs> I, so I, I love it. her response to that's quite man. She's like, skin colour prejudice. Didn't she so call pathetic, it quaint? it's almost quaint. <laughs> Storm's mid. Yeah, that's cool. it. Um, and I, I, a couple other notes. So we, when we see the scene of um, this this new villain at Fitzroy, um, who's making a deal with Master Mold in the future, they refer to someone as um, Lobdell, who is a reference to Scott Lobdell, who wrote a lot of X-Men comics in the 90s. Scott um, Lobdell or Lopdell? Lob. Uh, I grew up with a Scott Lopdell. Oh. Used to watch uh, Transformers with him, actually. Well, <laughs> that's quality stuff. Um, Master Mold and Fitzroy's relationship is quite weird, eh? Like, Master Mold has a bit more personality than he has in previous ones. He even has yeah. a little bit of sass. Like, Fitzroy, like, has a little bit of bat chat to him, and he goes, whatever. <laughs> Master Mold's sassy. What did, you, what did you guys think of Fitzroy's um, 2IC? Yeah, Phantom. <laughs> There's heaps of those uh, little characters, eh? Like, like real, like, um, like four foot Billy Corgan. Yeah, like, a, like what's uh, Igor type characters? Yeah. Um, other things I noted was um, in 1955, Professor, Professor X is talking to a Doctor John Gray, who is Jean Gray's father. And then he says, when someone says to him, read my mind to find out if it's true, he says, I don't like to use my powers. What a crock of shit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing is that I picked up is the past Chuck Mm. looks, if anything, older than present day Chuck. The only way to know he's from the past is that he's not in a floaty chair. He's not in rogue's arms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> he's not getting bodyguarded around um uh, the, so uh, could be i'm jumping ahead a bit here but am i right in saying squinty is not in any of these episodes that we watched i think that's fair but i don't think i noticed but i did enjoy this string so yeah <laughs> <laughs> something i've uh, picked up on from season four is some of the voice actors i think are different so I think I mentioned in the last podcast that Apocalypse was different. I reckon yep. Bishop's voice is Cyclops. Ah, mm. they do because that's quite common in an animated stuff to have voice doubles, right? You know, the well, Simpsons have people who do. And I was like, "Who the hell is that?" Someone else, someone else spoke in this episode on in the series. Nightcrawler, I thought his accent sounded different. 
Nah, no one else sounds like God, boy. Um, <laughs> shall we jump jump into episode two then? Yeah, the animation I think is starting to really fall apart in some parts too. But uh, mm. anyway, yeah, 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 cool, great stuff. It kind of makes it. Not that you guys watch the intro, but you know if it's going to be an average animated episode if they play the different intro song. I'm uh, not song, but anim- animations for the intro. Yeah, and the song is time. slightly different. So, um, so episode two opens back in 2055 in an alternative future. Things have changed again. Master Mold rules all. Uh, forges some sort of cyborg who doesn't remember anything because the timeline's changed. And now there's green sentinels. And um, they convince Forge to send them back. And, and so they make it back to 55. And... Um, uh, they, I, I guess this is what highlights the dangers of time travel. It's like if you can travel in time, why don't you just keep going back until you get it right? Um, and they do. Um, they sort of convince Fitzroy that he's going to get stitched up if he Master Mold's going to stitch him up no matter what. Um, and it kind of finishes with um, Fitzroy mind wiping. Professor X, so that the timeline stays the same. But then, at the very end of the episode, um, Storm and Meg are talking in the normal timeline, and Professor X seems to allude to the fact that he knows about a timeline where they're a couple. And if he knows this and hasn't told them, he's just even more of a jerk. 100%. Half of the course for Chuck. Terrible bloke. Thoughts on uh, Ep 2? I've got a few notes, but nothing major. I think, I'm not entirely sure, see if anyone else has any notes throughout this, but I think uh, smell powers make an appearance for Nimrod in this episode, and I think that's the only time in these six episodes that they come through. I think you're right. Yeah, I thought, that's... That, I thought, I thought smell powers solved everything, but... When he tried to jump on Nimrod, Nimrod's back, and funnily enough, I've got it didn't that work. written down. <laughs> Where are what, what's my note? Meg jumps on Nimrod's back and gets flipped off immediately. <laughs> um, uh, when he says, Let's see what you had for breakfast, yes. <laughs> um, uh, there's other things I noticed was when they're in the new 2055, Bishop has just been an absolute jerk to forge, and it's like, You need this guy here. <laughs> You know, like he doesn't remember. It's not his fault. This is when um, um, I, I have the question: Does Forge have his powers at that point? Yes, uh, but he must do. What does what does his powers remind me? Uh, he can build whatever he can think of. So he's welding at one point in that part. He still uses be... tools. Why yeah. would he be welding? He's just really, really good at welding, though. Oh, so he, I thought his, his uh, was like, whatever he's thinking of, it like comes to fruition. Oh, no, he still basically. has to build. No, no. No, the uh, blueprints sort of come from his mind. He can do that. Okay. Makes mm. sense. He's an extremely good engineer. Um, I th- the other thing I notice is um, we don't often get to see Bishop actually using his powers, which is nice, which is absorbing whatever and then channeling it into those blasts that come out of mm. his fists, which I just showed you guys, but no one else can see. <laughs> Uh, Meg with mascara looks friggin' awesome. Oh, yeah, I've written yeah, that down. That's as good well. stuff. Me- yeah. Me- uh, yeah. There's not enough body slides. Yeah. Body slide by three. I thought by now it was part and parcel. If it was time travel, cable would be in there. Um, the, uh, as a part that made me really laugh, and the only reason I laugh because the Stonecutter Simpsons episode at the end. Uh, I think it's that episode where Marge and Homer are like talk, uh, and Bart and Lisa are there. Like, there's a, a you're in a special uh, group with with uh, special rings, uh, referring to their wedding rings. And Bart and Lisa are like, are like yeah, and they blow into their rings. They, yeah, those uh, like power pop rings. <laughs> <or whatever they're. laughs> and there's a point that sounds like that where they're talking about their armbands. It's like. Our armbands have the coordinates, and they like point on the armbands. Have those armbands come up any other time? I use them in the original Bishop story. 
they feel like they did the first time we got to see the time jockeys i'm sure they <laughs> i'm sure forge explained how it all worked and he gave them some sort of yeah and it was supposed to go to old meg but instead it went to bishop um and when it went time traveled at one point and they end up like falling into a bush before it just said meanwhile elsewhere was the title that's all it said <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a bit lazy now you know <laughs> after this i had a, a thing written down a question for you guys so do you guys like episodes a, a, an x-men episode when there is lots of fighting or action or none at all what do you prefer oh, i you can't think say, I prefer you can't say in between I think I prefer the character interactions. Yeah, I'd say that's a good way to answer it. Right. Like if, if there's a ton of action throughout an episode, these episodes are, what, 20 minutes long and 10 minutes of that is the intro song. Like if you've got <laughs> nine minutes of action. Throw in a three-minute previously on. <laughs> yeah. So you, yeah, you got to have a, Yeah, you don't want to have none, but. If if your options were none or nine minutes of action, I'd probably go none. This is how I this is how I def, uh, defend my answer. I think if I had to choose between twenty minutes of Magneto using his powers or a twenty minute speech from Magneto, I'd take the speech. Mm, you do like the spoken word, though. You also don't get to have like your side characters, like the heavies that show up in this episode, or your chets and bandoms. Mm. Chet, who was Chet's two IC? Oh, he was he was two IC to the um. Solar. Who was the was who was the one who had um booger powers? Oh, Toad. Toad. Toad, <laughs> Toad was very Bantam like. I thought, yeah. or Bantam was very Toad like. I don't know which way it should go. Anyway, I like them. <laughs> I like all. Of them. <laughs> uh, I was also I'm I, pretty I, sure I like uh, no action. Yeah, fair. Bishop's legs are getting bigger, I think. Like, they are huge. Like, he is just an absolute mountain of a man. He doesn't need powers at this point. No, he is ginormous. Um, let's hope that's not the last we've seen of Bishop. Um, should we get Definitely him to not these next. Yeah, let's. You could probably do these let's two together. Fuck me. Fly through Proteus. Yeah, I can do two. Do part right. one and two together. Okay, so part one. So Moira's got a secret son, Kevin, or Proteus, hidden away because of his unstable powers, and he breaks free. So the Prof, Beast, Meg, and Rogue head off to help him. He can possess people. He knocks out Banshee real early on, um, probably to make way for some romantic tension. Um, and he can also warp reality and is telepathic. Um, he doesn't really have any emotional balance probably because he's been locked up his whole life. That he can't work out why people are scared of him and decides he wants to find his father, who is running an electoral campaign in Edinburgh based around family values, where you can see why that's uh, not going to go well. Um, then part two, um, Meg's really messed up after... Uh, Proteus does a number on him, really warps Meg's reality, and he battles, which is kind of mint because that that happens in the Proteus saga in the comics. And um, I mean, you'd hate it because Cyclops starts abusing him to like get his anger back up to try and fight him to make him snap out of it. But it's great leadership. Um, <laughs> turns out, old man McTaggart's a real jerk, um, and it, it, based on those powers described, the X Men have no real answers to fighting Pro Proteus. Um, Proteus gate crashes a couple of daddy's rallies and then um, finally Professor X lets Proteus possess him and for some reason the little chat they have works and it almost seems as though Professor X is going to be like his stepdaddy <laughs> I've got sort of just more comment and then one question that could lead to more questions mm -hmm. um, the best part of this entire two-parter was the two or three minutes that they did the backstory about uh chuck and moira um and doing the 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 absolute classic of uh 
heading off to war, so quickly propose to your missus before you go. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously doesn't work out. But my question is, so he goes off to war, Chuck's all lonely, and Moira ends up marrying Joe McTaggart. But she's always been Moira McTaggart, as far as I know. This marriage didn't seem to last long. Was she a McTaggart mm. already? And were you they both she married McTaggart? a cousin? Well, that's where the more questions come in. Um, I think she has a different last name, in the comics at least. But okay. she's almost always been known as Moira out. McTaggart. Yeah. Otherwise, they're two McTaggarts. Probably both from your island, but they're not related. Um, yeah, good. Um, Keeping on the um, on the Moira bandwagon, she is uh, in this cold as ice at the start, but also extremely flirty. Yeah. Um, and and by the end, I can see why Moira has had three squeezes in the past few years. Both Moira and Chuck. I mean, that's the, the whole backstory is just like they they just go from one relationship to the next. Bouncing it's a weird around. relationship. It's a real weird relationship. The Chuck Moira um, mm. dynamic. Mm. Mm. Agreed. Do we see I mean, bad bad guy bar? Is... Did we see bad guy bar? I put bad guy bar question mark exclamation mark or a secondary bad guy bar on Muir Island, a competing bad guy I bar. I didn't notice it. I don't think it was the bad guy bar. If anything popped up, but uh, I he went that. to he definitely went to a like bar or pub or something. Protested, but I thought it might have been off Muir Island, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was because at some point he hijacks a captain of a boat or a, a, some sort of seaman and. Gets, mm. get, starts making his way to Edinburgh. Um, I just got some uh, some uh, some good some good moments. Beast says a teenager who can quite literally do anything he wishes. Not a comforting thought. <laughs> and then Meg goes, so he can turn things upside down. He don't look old enough to shave. <laughs> Meg um, is great. And, and then there's a point where Moira's um, a bit worried or whatever, and and her and the prof have a big hug, and then you just see the creepiest of smiles on the professor's face. <laughs> um, I hate Professor X. A, a lot, a lot of my notes throughout this were like, "Keep going through as Chuck is the worst person to be helping out this kid," but then he pulls it off in the end. You're like, mm. "Ah, he wasn't." He actually got through it. I think the one thing I did really like about it is I thought they were pretty creative with Proteus's powers because he can kind of do whatever he wants and he kind of really does. Like when Rogue's taken him down and he just creates three mini Rogues to fight back. Um, Some of the twirling, whirling of like buildings and stuff yeah. like that was quite Doctor Strange-ish. Yeah. What is, what is, so what is in the comics, what is Proteus's power? It's like a powers? reality warper. So you can change the space around him. So like that time he's riding that green wave at the end of the first yeah. part. He's just, when he's riding that green wave, he's just like manipulating the ground in front of him to be a surfboard thing. It would have, what would have come first, Proteus or Thing from Fantastic Four? Thing. Yeah. Fantastic Four is real old, isn't it? 1962, I think. Well, I don't. I missed what happened to Kevin when he's not Proteus at the end, and he has to get carried off in the fashion that Chuck's normally getting carried around. <laughs> oh, and his old man just he picks him up. Be, he's, yeah, he seemed to be talking fine, and then he gets carried off. I like, I think he just wanted, what, just wanted to get carried by his daddy. Okay. I also thought it was interesting that um, old man McTaggart really one eighted on wanting to have a mutant child. Yeah, that was not he's, very well explained. No, he just sort of changed his tune. Mm. And it wasn't necessary either because it, it was set up for the professor was maybe going to step up. Um, I liked the... It's not road. easy being a daddy uncle. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the uh, rogue, like it was a little tiny little flashback in the middle of part two. Yeah. Um, I think it was based around... 
But she was, I think it was when she was fighting with Kevin or trying to get through to Kevin or, and she was having her own little flashback. I thought that was really good. Uh, and Chuck just being an absolute knob end. He's like, Moira, stay back, I'll them. And what he does to help them is whips out a walkie talkie <laughs> and gets two other people to help. It's uh, good stuff. Um, things I quite enjoyed. Um, when Beast talks about um, paralyzing fear and how Meg must have never felt it before, Meg just turns around and goes, You saying I'm a coward, blue boy? He calls Rogue something weird. He calls her like Corn Pone or something. Back off, Corn Pone. There must be some sort of redneck reference. Because she's from the South, eh? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I, could, I couldn't understand what he said. No. She um, had a good line about uh, Joe McTaggart. That boy's as slick as fog fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was good. Uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but Beast is reading a book uh, in this episode and the cover of the book's blurred. Yeah. Oh. I did read something about this. So I did some digging oh. as well. So the book he's reading is The Making of a President by Theodore H. White um, about JFK. And apparently it would be a rights issue because they made a movie based on the book. Oh. Um, but I did end up, and I'd love to segue to this article I read called uh, Cartoon Censorship uh, in the X-Men Animated Series. And there's just lists of scripts where the censors have written what they would like to change. So let's just say go from our, one of our favorite episodes, Sanctuary Part 1. Um, where we met the likes of courtiers. Um, if it's uh, so, the first page one, please do not have the astronaut say, My God. Page seven, <laughs> please avoid having courtiers call Magneto his savior. Please avoid calling Magneto's followers acolytes. Please do not refer to the objects as killer satellites. Please do not have courtiers accuse the X Men of assassinating Magneto. Also on this page, Magneto's compartment should not look as though it is burning, nor should Magneto be surrounded by flames. No fireball with him inside it. Perhaps the compartment could break up or eject Magneto before he explodes. Sorry, also, who's, read, please, who's writing these notes? Like, Fox. Wow. Or whoever approves episodes. Also, please change the villain's name from Cortez to something non-Hispanic. There is no prominent Hispanic X-Men to provide balance for this kind of negative character. Oh, wow. But they kept with Kit Cortez. Yeah. There's, yeah, it's, um, there's quite a lot of the stuff that they just went, nah, we're keeping it, I guess. <laughs> Sorry, we're a lot of the stuff. Thing, but you can't, no. change, you can't change the name. Nah. Here's, here's one you guys will love from the episode Longshot. Please substitute for Longshot, Longshot's two use of the word killed. Something <laughs> like destroyed or take their lives would be acceptable. <laughs> Both of those options are worse. <laughs> it would not be. It will not be acceptable for Mojo to call anyone numb nuts. Oh, that would have been great. My ki the kids in my class are, um, are aware of my podcast, and I've told them about um, X Men and not saying kill. So whenever I read a story that has kill in it, now I say destroy. This is from the last, um, from Sanctuary Part 2. That's real funny. Please ask the producers to send me a model for Uniscone, including what she looks like with her exoskeleton projected. And what does Wolverine mean? She'd be a handful on a date. <laughs> <laughs> I think we pointed uh, that as well. Um, well. This is from One to Come, so I don't want to... I'll just the last one. Uh, if it's Street from the Fighter. Lotus and the Steel, I don't want to know about it. Also, please lose either Sabretooth's and Tasty or Just Like to avoid a suggestive reference to Silver Fox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope those are still in. Oh, we'll come back to Sabretooth. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll keep that up so we can reference it as we as it's real good. So anyway, yeah, Proteus, all in all, Proteus is kind of couple of shitty episodes but there are good moments right yeah there's the moments yeah i know what rogues um i can remember rogues flashback was back to her 
her daddy. Dad. It's like this big US southern man. Um, like With his gut she, hanging out. And she's like cowering on the floor. So mm. she, I think she probably feels bad for Kevin at that point. Mm. Got a trucker hat, a flannel shirt, and his gut hanging out over his yeah, belt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's gross as. He's up there with Mojo. <laughs> All right, family gross. ties. So it opens with Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch uh, on, on the blower. Something is wrong with their father. In a hospital in Romania, he reveals they were adopted. We find out that they were dropped off by the midwife, Bova, who is a cow woman. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they are off to Wondergore to find the midwife. Uh, meanwhile, Magneto breaks into the mansion for some yarns with the professor, and he reckons his wife, Magda, is alive. Um, we meet the high evolutionary who we may have seen in the past, but not ever actually really met, who's a real science experimental type. The twins' mother did die, and it's a big setup at Magda's grave. The animal people turn on Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, um, and Magneto, Scarlet Witch, and Quicksilver all get caught, um, as long, along with Meg. Turns out Magneto is their father. And the High Evolutionary wants Magneto, Quicksilver, and Scarlet Witch's powers to speed up his evolutionary stuff on Wondergore. And a big battle ensues, and the High Evolutionary gets away. Do you guys like this episode? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Random. Especially the, the animal people were the best part. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, what is this Bova thing? It's a bull midwife with fingers and a pashmina. It was the 90s. Do you not so remember whole, your midwife? Was yours not a cow woman? I think well, he does a good job of explaining the high evolutionary's gig, right? He's like trying to make his own world by evolving animals to have human characteristics, but kind of follow his his rule. Yeah, there was one element of, of this that I possibly missed, but I didn't really understand it as, as they kept referring to what Magnus did to Magna. So I got this at the, the very end of my notes as well. Like, I I got the impression that he didn't kill her, and it was a misunderstanding. No. But at the end, he's like, "They'll probably never forgive me for what I did." Yeah, it sort of seems like the truth to it was that she didn't go along with his plan to basically force you know the mutants to be the superior race at some point, which is what his thing was early on i guess so it sort of sort of seems like they disagreed and she left mm, that's what it felt like and then maybe the high evolutionary killed her or she died of natural cause i don't know but yeah mm. it was it seemed weird that maybe he did in the in the comics he's had a couple of wives one of them finds out he's a mutant and and no, the, 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 the townsfolk find out he's a mutant and burn down his house and his wife and child are inside. Mm. Um, I can't remember. The, the Scarlet Witch Quicksilver stuff's been retconned poorly to try and make them not mutants. Um, but for all intents and purposes, for us, they are. Um, are they together? As a couple. Or are they brother and sister? Like, I don't understand. Brother yeah. and sister. <laughs> yeah, they're so, twins. So, I don't think oh, they could be together. I don't think at any point the name Scarlet Witch or Quicksilver is mentioned. No, they definitely are. Yeah, Meg, Meg says it. Does yeah. he? Yeah. Does he mention that they're brother and sister? No, but they get referred to as the twins at some point. And they okay. go and see their father. Their adopted it might be, father. It might be like a McTaggart thing. Maybe, maybe you're right. <laughs> I didn't. In I didn't even know the ultimate X Men comics of the two thousands, um, which is like an alternative timeline. It's highly implied that they are incestuous. Mm, well, it, uh, look, Jeez. everything that I got from it was that, was that they were a couple. <laughs> uh, well, you don't like I, didn't, it. I didn't pick that up. Um, I really liked Magneto's uh, civvies though, with the big black leather trench coat, oh, red shirt, God, black tie, and the flowing mullet. <laughs> But I don't know whether he was wearing his battle costume under it because as soon as he gets captured, he's inside the Hive Revolutionary's building or whatever, and he's in his battle costume. It's like, mm. the animation. Get those civvies off, I'm going to keep those for myself. You can wear his <laughs> battle costume. 
a couple couple of things I quite liked. Um, um, when um, Professor X asks Meg to keep an eye on him, but um, don't um, you know? Um, we don't want any trouble. And um, Meg makes says the professor, "Why? I love trouble." And it's like, mate, your skeleton's made made out of metal. Magneto could literally rip you in half. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. I love trouble. I like that. What did um, Magneto yeah. do specifically to Meg to make him so um, incensed? Just doesn't like bad guys. It's like I like Meg was re- like rippable, and I couldn't mm. for the life of me remember what Magneto had specifically done. Because from my perspective, Magneto's almost helped the X Men more than he's um, hurt them. And if anything, Meg is up for violence and aggression and always been held back by the X-Men. But if he was Magneto's lackey, he'd be free to yeah. jump on everyone's back. But it, it, it's on brand for <laughs> Magneto. He's, he, he kicks yeah. off at everyone. Well, actually, most of the X-Men do. He He's just funnier with it. Mm. I did like his, well, well, well. The worm turns. <laughs> know what that means? When he's watching um, the scene play out in the graveyard and he's on the radio to um, Beast, you ought to see it, Hank. It's the blasted island of Dr. Moreau. Yeah, I love, I love it when he calls him Hank. Um, I also really enjoyed, so when Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver turn up to take Magneto down in the graveyard and Scarlet Witch says, he's like, what are you doing here or whatever? And she goes, we've come to get revenge for one who has fallen in your path. And Magneto replies, <laughs> you'll have to be more specific. There have been many. <laughs> That's good stuff. I reckon he should have just said, you'll have to be more specific. I reckon that would have been more badass. Mm, yeah, fair. Yeah. Did you like um, it when the high evolutionary turned Meg into a wolf man? Oh, look, I assumed look. it was a wolverine. Is that what he is doing there? I don't actually know what a wolverine is. those real long like. limbs, kind of like the werewolves in Harry Potter. Mm, yeah. yeah. The, the, well, no, Harry Potter the movie. Sorry, apologies. Um, uh, th- because the, the animal heads weren't really explained for a while, so I was, that's probably why I didn't really enjoy the episode as much as other ones, as I was extremely confused. And obviously I thought Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were uh, a couple. And I actually thought Magneto and Magda were a couple for a while until it was explained that they weren't. Magneto and Magda? Hey, what? They're the not appearance. a couple. Yeah, they're not a... Oh, what? <laughs> this is like we're on the snake draft. <laughs> I just put is Magneto's sister. I put is Magneto's sister Magda or is Magda his wife? I said whatever it is, it's silly. they're both Mag to start with. Yeah, no wonder yeah, he called yeah. himself Magneto. Yeah. So, so they're together. They were together at some point. Yeah, they were. Yeah. They were I think they were married. Fuck yeah, me. Yes, that's she lazy. Then left. Pregnant with um, that's classic comic book stuff. The other couple, like, his name's Magnus. We'll make his wife Magda because mm. he's Magneto. And even though, and Magnus isn't even his name. It's like in the comic books, it's like he's got like heaps of names. Like he was called Magnus, Eric. then he was called Eric Lenscher, and then he was called Max Eisenhart. I found in this one as well, similar to that, uh, uh, the last one that you guys hated that was in the desert. It's like sometimes the solutions from like getting away from some of these bad guys is just trying. <laughs> when Magneto actually just tries to break free of those things, he does it instantly. Well, I, I wrote it's that. Like, I quite I quite like that moment because he I, it it came across to me that he allowed himself to stand there and look like he was captured, so he could hear the high evolution high evolutionary spill the beans. I just thought he was like you know just doing Ned Flanders' dad. Tried nothing, and I'm all out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> From everything that we've seen, I think Pat, you're on the you're on a closer track than you, Bob. I think like there's only 20 minutes in the episode, and like I don't think he's allowing him. Like I just think it's yeah, he, we're gonna. He literally says to the them twins. Um, um, all right, now, now, now that we know what's going on, I will use my full power or something like that. Like I think he was um, deliberately holding back. 
Oh, sorry, a couple oh, more yeah, things. That, was, that part just confused me. I wasn't as confused as some of us, but that part confused me. Yeah. <laughs> a couple more things. I uh, like the crossover to Captain Planet. Magneto was shooting Marty's heart. The couple at one point. Not the couple. The couple, their brother and sister. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the the genetic code when he's like doing, um, I think he's doing Meg's he's turning him into a wolverine mm. and um the genetic code just seemed to be trigonometry equations there's like sine <laughs> sine cos and tan uh, and i'd love to know what the notes were eh? put some math stuff up on the board and you <laughs> <know>. <laughs> Uh, this is actually trigonometry not genetic code um didn't get flagged on the censorship article <laughs> and I don't remember him being called Quicksilver, so I called him Baby Blue Boy. Um, <laughs> like it. Every, every time he did anything, there was like a Looney Tune cartoon sound. So, like, he did like a spin at one point. It was like, <laughs> like Tasmanian Devil was spinning around. That's good. You can listen. It's like it's like on the Long Shot episode uh, with. Uh, what's that Jabba the Hutt guy's name? Mojo. Mojo. He's got like the um, the real the dumbass soundtrack, whereas this guy's got the Looney Tunes soundtrack. Yeah, I liked it. Um, should we get into Bloodlines? Yeah, I, I like that episode more after hearing Sam's rap on it. <laughs> Well, it's fuck. It was confusing for me. That's why I didn't like yeah. it. I didn't know yeah. I could. There was animal heads and brothers and couples and sisters and God knows what else. Incest. Uh, incest. No, it's wonderful mountain. Hippies, right? Bloodlines. So Graydon Creed is back, and, and, <laughs> and his armband. What doesn't go far though, because the friends of humanity have upgraded to KKK inspired masks. <laughs> It's really the on the friend, nose there. It's the Friends of Humanity High Command. They, uh, <laughs> yeah, they've also got some big backers. They've got like a big building and stuff now. Yeah, oh, we've slipped back into our own. Uh, we've been slipped back into our old ways. Go, Bob. Do the summary. Sorry. Oh yeah. So he so he wants back, but you know that, it turns out he's got a big mutant family tree. Um, so if he can fix his family tree, I'm assuming with um, destroying them, he's allowed back in. And then it cuts the Nightcrawler turning up to the mansion. Um, he's got a letter saying his mother will be killed if he doesn't come. I think it says, come along, well, the consequences could be fatal. So Rogue, Nightcrawler, Jubilee, and Meg go with Nightcrawler. Um, and the location is the Friends of Humanity's new HQ. Um, turns out Nightcrawler's mum is Mystique. Um, and then there's some, there's some fighting um mystique seems like she's a bit of a bitch but ends up saving kurt and then the police turn up um and uh the friends of humanity uh, escape or some of them do and punish Graydon creed for his failure by dropping him off at Sabretooth's place <laughs> um how good is um meg's beast mask for the trick-or-treaters yeah great so and also, Beast, is, Beast isn't even there. He's like, he's doing that for his, his own entertainment. Like, <laughs> he's not even making off Beast. He's like, oh, I'm going to wear one of those. I want to know who sorted that out. Who who organized the Beast mask? Do you think it was Meg? Surely it was Meg. Meg's got I can't, I need, I need a I need a mask. Oh, he's, I mean, Beast is a celebrity, remember, because he was in that high profile, profile court case. So maybe it's like the those who- masks you can buy at the markets in Camden. Cyclops would have can look down his nose at Meg for doing that. Big time. Oh, yeah, he would have been whinging heaps if he was on most of these episodes. Um, Pat, did you notice that one of the trick-or-treaters had a classic yellow Daredevil mask? No, I know you wouldn't have, Sam. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. The one that's potentially coming back in the She-Hulk series. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, I well, thought there I was thought... some nice... Oh, sorry. Sorry, just, just carrying on from that. Um... I thought it was a bit ridiculous that children, they would know. Like, there's this, obviously this big anti-mutant sentiment within the community. Surely there's no one knocking on the friggin' mansion's door 
on Halloween. Do peep? Do the public know that's where the X Men hang out? Well, surely you would think maybe, so, but maybe not. Maybe it's not. The school, it? Otherwise... It's the school at this point, isn't it? It's the it's school, school for gifted, gifted youngsters, youngsters. Yeah. of which there's only one teenager. Is that in? Is, <laughs> is that definitely come up in the animated series, or is that what it is in the comics? I don't know if it gets addressed as that title, but that's it's yeah. Sometimes it's called the, gift, the school for gifted youngsters, and sometimes it's called. Um, well, maybe I don't know something else, but yeah, it's yeah. They don't actually really talk about it as a school at all in the animated series. You're right. It's definitely it's referred to as the school, but I I don't remember anything about being for gifted children. A jubilee's not mm. gifted. Um, what do you mean sparklies? <laughs> um, I thought there was some nice foreshadowing when Rogue talks about that. That'd be as outrageous as me being Nightcrawler's kin or something like that. Um, I thought there was there was a, a really nice heartfelt chat between between Jubilee and Nightcrawler about being orphans until it was probably ruined for Sam by Nightcrawler preaching. Fucking God, yeah, boy! Yeah, I've got a few of those notes of Sam must be hating this. Of course, um, God Boy is trying to convert her. I'm out on him. <laughs> um, what I wrote. There's a good scene when they're like scoping out the dam, and Nightcrawler's like, "I've got to go." Bob's like, "All right," and then, like, and then they decide they're all going to go in because you know, blah blah blah. And Meg goes, "Now that we've worked all that out, let's go visiting." Shink and pops his claws. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's that's not the best big uh, line. He takes the piss out of God Boy. Just have a little faith, pal. I hear it can work wonders. <laughs> uh, so I ge- I guess the big thing about this episode, right, is Creed is Mystique's son as well, which is so great in Creed is. So Mystique obviously was also had a thing with Sabretooth. Did the nasty with him. Hmm. I wanted to see that um, throwback. We got the one for Nightcrawler. We didn't get his one. Did yeah. you know that? I had to reverse once, and I still thought she'd said something else at one point, and I had to put the um, captions up when she opens up the story with, your father was an Austrian count. I thought she said something different at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Sorry, so did you guys know that that was the case? About Mystique? Yeah. No, so I, I don't know if that's it. comic book accurate, but I yeah. knew it from the series. I didn't remember it. I but remember I do... from the series Nightcrawler and Rogue potentially being siblings. I don't remember the Creed one. Like in the comics, Night, Nightcrawler and Rogue are like Rogue's Mystique's adopted daughter, and Nightcrawler is. Mystique's daughter, um, but Nightcrawler's father is another mutant called Azazel, who looks like Nightcrawler but is red. I think um, Azazel. Yeah, I think that's it. Mm. I should have. I should have got the hint because we've already been told that Mystique is Rogue's mother, and we've already mm-hmm. been told that God Boy's mother is Mystique. And the episode's called Bloodlines. And I still didn't notice until it was made, like, it was made obvious that they were, <laughs> they were brother and sister. <laughs> as, a, as a result, I've drawn Mystique's family tree uh, out of the bottom of my notes. And it's just got... So, so if I'm right, Mystique... Got with Sabretooth, which produced Creed, and Mystique got with the Austrian Count, which is Nightcrawler, and then Mystique adopted Rogue as a single mother. Hmm. All correct. In the what comic else is books, there? In the comic books, um, Rogue adopt uh, Mystique adopts Rogue um, with uh, what's her name, Pat. The the lady who can see the future, destiny, destiny, and mistakes. Uh, yeah, um, add that to the family tree. Yeah, destiny, destiny in there. Presses an all dark blue and has a gold face for some reason. That's a mask. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, a couple of things I enjoyed. Um, I think Creed's a real good villain. Because he's like, he, he wouldn't be a good villain if he's just like, I hate mutants. But he's like super unbalanced and like clearly got like actual issues about it. And the saber tooth thing really fucks with him. Like, I quite like how unhinged he is about everything and sort of melting down a bit. Yeah, I disagree. He's quite, un- he's quite un- unpredictable at this point. Mm. I, I he disagree. He's the most dangerous. You don't like him? I think he's all right. But like the best um, X-Men villains, I would not put Creed anywhere near, like from what we've seen. Like, I, I, I think they do villains really, really well. And the villains they do really, really yeah. well are extremely in control. Um, mm. A lot of what they say carries weight. Like Creed just seems like a fucking lunatic. Mm. I suppose I it guess makes I just, them a little bit different. Then. Yeah, um, I thought the Mystique flashback of her having to abandon Nightcrawler was actually quite sad. And yeah, I was like, yeah, I was a bit emotional about it. To be honest, you know, as a father now, you know, it just it gets mm. me. <laughs> well, it didn't have her actually biffing him in the water either. <laughs> I was waiting for that, but yeah. Yeah, maybe just I, place them in. And I like how even though, you know, like, something obviously got through to her because she saves him. And, uh, but definitely my favourite part of the episode is when they drop Graydon Creed off at Sabretooth's place. And Sabretooth says, come to Papa. What do you say, boy? Come to Papa. He's also uh, been uh, using the manscape. He's, where's all his hair gone? He's got a pony. Yeah. Is that the first time we see him not in costume? Not in his lycra? Yeah. Is that the answer to maybe a question I had in maybe the second episode we did of this? Is it it a lycra? Is it just his body? Is it paint? In the alternative timeline, we get a glimpse of him wearing his Age of Apocalypse costume, um, which is pretty much just orange again, but it's more like a tank top and he's got like the metal thing around his neck that Magneto has. Cause quite a lot of the characters have that in age of apocalypse in honor of their great leader, leader, not leader. Leader of <laughs> <laughs> Uh I sent you guys, um, my amazing family. The last note I had on the episode was just, um, too much God. Hmm. Every single time, might be in your notes. <laughs> every single time, God boys, it's it's his like yeah. I get that characters have to have a shtick, but like, what a terrible, terrible shtick to have. The the thing they really missed with on this with Nightcrawler, which they actually get really really good in the two thousands cartoon X Men Evolution, is yeah, he's a God boy, but he's also like a real like a prankster and like quite funny and, and a bit of a jokey guy. And this one is just real dour and serious all the time. Like he's dry as a biscuit. X-Men yeah. Evolution, that was a good cartoon. Yeah. It it's is not good. on Disney. No, it's not. Um, I actually had a thought about that. Um, if we ever want, once we finish this, because we've got, what, three episodes to go, maybe four. Um, no, three. I think three. Yeah, if we ever want to return to this down the line, I'd love to maybe watch one episode of each of the other X-Men cartoons that have come out since, just for comparison. Because I think you've got X-Men Evolution, Wolverine and the X-Men, and then you've got, there's a um, Japanese X-Men anime, um, which is quite quite interesting. Um, Throw an X-Men 97 too. Cover that off too. <laughs> Can't wait for that. We're covering all of that weekly <laughs> recaps. Um, any any final thoughts on this batch? Not a bad batch. I can no, call I, Proteus. I... Proteus was the weakest, but I didn't hate Proteus. Proteus gave you those first sort of two or three minutes with that backstory. Uh, yeah. Holy heck. I've just had a look at what's coming up for the next episode. Oh, look, look, look. I've done a little bit of looking ahead and 
I've been talking about the Lotus and the Steel for about fucking a year now, but that's coming up. It looks like there's just it's just Wolverine City. Yeah. Look, I mean, we've got the Lotus and the Steel. It's definitely a Meg episode. Weapon X lies in a videotape. Not only is it a Meg episode, but it's a great play on the um, sex lies in a videotape. I know everyone's absolutely pumped for Have Yourself a Morlock Little Christmas. Oh, yeah. yeah. It sounds like Meg's a Grinch in that one, which is great. Um, (laughs) And then this is a seven episode episode Beyond Good and Evil 1 to 4. I'll tell you, there'll be things, Sam, you won't like about it, certainly, but. It's definitely character cameo heavy. Lots, lots of comebacks and um, good villains. Apocalypse uh, yeah. is steady throughout those four episodes. Yeah, he's, he plays a he plays a big part. It's good. I like Apocalypse. He's better than Creed. <laughs> he definitely. He's <laughs> at this point, I would consider Magneto um, at worst an anti-hero. So Apocalypse is probably the best villain. Yeah, agreed. Worse than Chet? Is Creed worse than Chet? <laughs> no, Apocalypse. He's, who goes on top? Who's the baddest? <laughs> <in> the <world? laughs> oh, Chet sucks. Anyway, but doesn't look like we're going back to the future anytime soon. So, would you be stoked this, if Chet was beyond time. good and evil? I'd be stoked. Everyone's going at Apocalypse and Apocalypse walks away and reveals the man behind the curtain is Chet. Where where I reckon Chet would be strong is that um, (laughs) (laughs) on that bad guy bar spinoff, I reckon him just normally there for comic relief, real steamed at the bar, not really involved in any of the real storylines, but, you know, just giving one-liners. I think that's where Chet's strength would lie. It is real hard to picture um, Apocalypse at Bad Guy Bar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I could yeah. see him owning it. But I was just thinking about the future. If we're not going to get any more Stig anytime soon, if at all, for the rest of us. That's so yeah. bizarre that that popped up. Because, like, I was not expecting a Storm Meg relationship. But how oh, I loved it. Yeah, mm. it's good. So that, that I mean, that's a that's a rip from the comics. Um, he um, and in Days of Future Past, the actual one, they make a last run to stop the Sentinels or whatever. And um, Meg's dating Storm, or they're you know a couple or whatever, and or, or they're getting absolutely smashed. And Colossus does the old fastball special and throws Meg at a Sentinel, and it just turns around and just blasts his entire flesh and all that you see hit the deck is just a cindering metal skeleton. Ah. Um, which is mint. Um, I think we've got a, at least a three week gap before the next episode. Is that fair? Well, two week gap rather than one week. Yeah, so next week we've, next week we've got, got Simpsons. Yeah. And then counting crows. And it's Simpsons again. Oh, so we got to, we do have that. a three-week gap. So X-Men won't be back until the second week of September. Not bad for my X-Men fatigue. Not bad when you've got to watch seven episodes. Uh, yeah, so it looks like seven episodes, and then we've got season five, which is ten episodes. Yeah, just and we just do, two, I think we're doing two, one episode, five each. Beautiful. Yeah, season five is very odd. <laughs> I, can't remember, I can't remember what it's called, but there's an episode. Is all the like, Phalanx ones and shit? Oh, the Phalanx yeah. is all right. Heavy on Forge content. Um, but there's a Jubilee's fairy tale something or other that is absolutely awful. Definitely. Yeah. So it's, we should just uh, mug it off and be, not do it. I don't know, because there's a part of me that thinks it might be Pat's favourite episode. <laughs> it's cheating it. <laughs> oh, it's bad. Oh, okay. All right, should we round this thing out and get out of here? Don't have to do my usual plug because I filled it up top. But just in case. Oh yeah. Well, you know, W I W 
T90S Insta, Twitter, and the, the uh, podcast available pretty much everywhere, except all the places that it's not available. Like, subscribe, give us a review, listen on mute, definitely download. Good for the algorithm. All right. Mission accomplished, buddy. Let's go home. No one's listening at this point. Not on YouTube, anyway. Really like our little jingle way. Eh?